So Django. What? Have you gotten more nervous about your teeth in the last couple of months? Is this part of your plan to tear me down to make me self-conscious about my my teeth that you can see? Have Whatever you, you can fucking see of my teeth? Have you been self-conscious about your teeth? No. Okay. Why? What, what is this? Do you just thing? need? Do you just need like plosives? Plosives. No, teeth. I just plosives. I, in the in the last month and a half, I've seen you. I've noticed you have developed uh, cleaning your teeth with your tongue has increased by about four percent. Like that? No, like. I was just wondering if you've maybe stopped brushing in the morning or this if you're not flossing. This is subtle. I like it, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. You're you're going to make me think about this. Oh, I've been thinking about it. <laughs> I I like uh I'd like full credit for never doing this to you and Justin because it would be too easy. <laughs> I have to I I have to challenge myself. There are a couple of things <laughs> that uh, it's not healthy, but I I tell myself like I am so lucky that Django doesn't treat me the way that I treat Django. <laughs> it's a thought I have often. Uh, Podcast episode one twenty nine. I chose to start when you were in the middle of making that mouth sound. That's what I did there. I I chose the wrong time to do that. <laughs> Welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast episode five. <laughs> Episode 129, where every Tuesday we pick up a whole bunch of comic books, uh, you know, just excitedly rushing back to our shop. Um, we realize that the person we get them from doesn't always remember my name. <laughs> Even though I've been going out there for a couple of years, Jenna. Really? Uh, we take it back. To, she she had a like a like a. All right, well, you have a good one, Jeff. Like it was this, this second and a half. I'm gonna maybe give her a link that. to this. Maybe maybe, maybe she was gonna say something else and brain crossed wired and. Yeah, she's gonna say Joe. Yeah, we take them all back to the <laughs> comics place uh, where we love ourselves and the comics, and we sort them, count them, file them away for all of our subscribers, and then we very excitedly run back to our respective quiet places and engage uh, in a sort of symbiotic, fictional nourishment relationship with the books themselves. We come back to the shop, we have a wonderful Wednesday together, uh, and then we come sometimes up, sometimes down, now back up. <laughs> Whoa, that was terrifying. Wow, encounter at Farpoint. Wow. <laughs> I wish that that was audible through the through the mics. <laughs> we come back to the shop, uh, and we re- record a podcast together, sometimes up, sometimes down, uh, where we engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the shop, the books, or the comings and goings of our lives. Oh my god. I'm Jeff, and Jangle's wearing an alien mask that actually was the alien mask for the costume that I had for Halloween in third grade. I'm Django. I'm dressed as Jeff from third grade. I'm Roman. I'm dressed as Jeff at, at 80. Oh, god. You do look 80. Yeah. You're gonna look young when you're 80. Yeah. We are the Pacific Northwest Nay. 
the the whole West Coast premier comic book podcast. They come to us for hot takes, fast takes, and loving takes, vulnerable takes, and insightful takes about comic books, and you're wasting their time. <gasps> I guess I thought this was comics, like comedians. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah, it's been almost two and a half years, and we got to get over like, sort of a, a mission statement about this stuff. Everybody, we're out of the pap cave. We got out of there. <laughs> Meanwhile, upstairs March. in the penthouse of justice, uh, you know, we're up here now. Can we change the name? From of the Not of the penthouse of justice? I want it to be the penthouse of Justin. Oh, we're going to need him on here for that to happen. Yeah, I'm tired of recording in your house, Justin. Justin's penthouse. <laughs> well, the other side of that is that we should probably not have him living in the shop anymore. Um, so we That's wouldn't true. have to record in his house. That's true. Hey, listen, what are we going to talk about this week? Oh, man, this week. Comics. This week for comics, not including the other stuff. Jeff's age, Roman's pants, that shit Star on Trek my sound, pants, that Star Trek sound. Costume. Yeah. Uh, Year of the Villain, number one. Five years, number one. Deceased. 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 How do you... Decaeased. Deceased. Deceased. Number one. <laughs> Punisher, number 11. Green Lantern, number seven. Seven. Mm-hmm. Gagor, number Go-gore. one. No. Gagor. You got to read the back matter, okay. baby. Okay. I think it says Gagor back there. Oh. Yeah. Gagor, number one. Marvel, team up. Featuring Spider-Man and Ms. Marvel, number two. Planet of the Nerds, number one. And that's probably it. And maybe, maybe some other some stuff. More. Which we'll, you know, we'll introduce. But there's going to be some spoilers, everybody. But not huge spoilers. Um, we're also going to talk about Savage Avengers, number one. Not huge, huge spoilers. Um, nothing that will change the world. But, you know, if you want the uh, pure white snow, like the gown of a wedding dress, uh, in terms of your relationship with these comics, you're probably going to want to read them before listening to us yammer, stammer, and babble on. I'm impressed every time, Jeff, that you're so good at starting a sentence with no idea where you're going. Yeah, I certainly do that. And, uh, and, and getting there eloquently and humorously. Thanks. I think that was a nice thing to say. Is it? Does not everybody talk so like without an exit in mind when they start talking? No, I didn't learn to even consider that until I started listening to you talk. <laughs> I formed my entire sentences. That's why I never trip up on my sent on my words. <laughs> <laughs> um, DC Year of the Villain number one. Uh, a variety of people on this one. Scott Snyder for a chapter, Brian Bendis for a chapter, James Tinian the fourth with Jim Chung, Alex Maleev, and Francis Manipal. This is the free comic book day, essentially, DC book. Um, but for the last two years, they've been making 25-cent books that come out the week beforehand and then not having a really clear free comic book day book. What and, do you think about that? Well, so they've pretended publicly that... I guess I guess maybe this is talking out of school, but they've said that they didn't have it ready to announce before Free Comic Book Day. Doesn't mean that it can't also then come out on Free Comic Book Day. Yeah, uh, it could. It like it was announced four days after. So yeah. if you're telling me that you can't figure that shit out four days before, I don't believe you. What do you think that it is? Do you think it's like an attempt? Do they cost us more? Don't they all cost us 13 cents a piece? No, the free comic book day ones are free cheaper. Book, or more expensive. The free comic book day ones are, I think, cost us more than this does. Really? I think this is cheaper than most of the free comic book day books. 
Anyway, but whatever. it's a like, little inside I, baseball. It's a really yeah. interesting thing that DC is trying to subvert Free Comic Book Day a little bit by putting these books out. And, you know, props. This is the big sort of thing leading into the next year of DC Comics, which is titled The Year of the Villain. Mm-hmm. Um, it encompasses a lot of the different stuff that DC is doing. And I actually liked it a lot. Um, I liked all three of them. I didn't like the Jimmy TIV, the, the third one, quite as much as the other two. But I still liked it all pretty good. I'm curious what your guys' thoughts were, and then maybe we can give a rundown of these three books for everybody. When you and I talked about it uh, after Tuesday night, when we after we both read it, yeah. we talked about it the next morning before we opened, I think I said I didn't like it. And then as you and I were flipping through it that morning, I realized I really liked the first one. Dug the second one plenty and just kind of gave up paying attention to the third one. Probably for the same reason you did. They should have had so that many words. third one in the middle, I think. Yeah. Because it, it is, yeah. Also, I, I really don't like the bondage Robins in yeah. with, who, who hang out with the, the Batman who laughs. They, I, I don't know if it's because they creep me out or if it's just because I don't like the whole concept of it. But I, I think I like the first one the best. And I, I just did not care about the middle chapter by Bendis. Um, I think because I, I just don't care about the rebirth Green Arrow. Um, he just hasn't caught me yet. Hmm. And, uh, the, and yeah. the third chapter was, yeah, it was fine. I was excited mainly because Plastic Man's briefly pictured. I really <laughs> like when you call him Plaz. Plaz. Plaz is briefly pictured. <laughs> but no woozy. What I want to mention about the second issue, which is largely forgettable, but it's mostly Batgirl and Green Arrow talking to this Leviathan character who we don't know who it is yet, but it doesn't seem to be Talia al Ghul who was heading that organization and Batman Incorporated and Morrison stuff. But I think Alex Maleev, who hasn't had art that impressed me as much as his Daredevil run with Bendis since then, Mm -hmm. uh, some of the coloring and facial work in this particular mini really impressed me. I actually like stared at the pages of Batgirl's face for a while, just trying to understand what was going on with the lighting there. Cause I loved how it was all ambiently green and like what the light sources were and how he was shading and coloring. Like I thought that was really, really nice Maliev work. I thought it was, I, I got kind of excited when I saw that they were bringing in uh, Captain Adam to go up against Lex Luthor I've never really cared about Captain Adam, but when I saw that he was going to be in that that story, just something about it made me like, yeah, that's really cool. And like, I dug the Jim Chung art in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, spoiler in that first part. Spoiler warning, everybody. Uh, that sort of crescendos to Captain Adam fighting Lex Luthor and Le- Lex Luthor blowing himself up and presumably committing suicide, which we know isn't the case. But in the third story, the follow-up of that is that Perpetua, who is the mother of the three fifth-dimensional, sixth-dimensional beings that have been in Justice League lately, uh, the Monitor, the Anti-Monitor, and the Forger of Worlds, she's the one who birthed them, she's coming back, and she's gestating Lex Luthor to become something larger and bigger. And we don't know what that is yet. But the back matter of this issue I thought was actually pretty great. 
and it showed a couple of big arcs that are coming up, but one is called The Proposal or something like that, but The Offer. But basically, Lex is going to a ton of different books, Action, Aquaman, Batgirl, Batman. There's, there's 20 of them. And he's going to be going to what looks like the villains and making some sort of proposition to them to join their side. Uh, it, this issue just laid out a course for the next six or seven months that I, I like. And I like... It made me feel a bit like DC Comics 15 years ago or something where mm-hmm. it was a little bit slower burn and things had a chance to grow and just be in the backgrounds of books and not necessarily need to be the, the focal point story, which seems to be a bit more how things are done now. For a 25-cent issue, I'm going to give this thing an 8.5. Yeah, I think as far as uh, kind of prequel preview issues goes, this, this gets uh, full marks from me. I would give this a 10 for that. I would give it like a seven and a half as a comic. Yeah, it's hard to sort like of separate it. It's a really good version of what it's doing. I don't. I don't think I've ever read one of these kind of here's what here's our roadmap for the future, and felt like they were nailing it. And this one, I, I think they are. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I'll give it an eight for the road mapping. Only a six, I think, for arousing my interest story wise. For the reading, for a- yeah. arousing, for the yes. Your peaking, interest? arousing, yes. Don't sort say of peaking. bring your plus interest got a, to a climax. Plus it's, <laughs> plus it's got an ad, cool ad on the back with the first ever live action Doomsday, which is kind and of... Lobo, and buddy. Lobo, buddy. That guy looks too skinny mm. to be Lobo. Wow, this Krypton show. I forgot it's a thing. I forgot it was a thing, too, until yeah. I saw this ad. Django, I got into work. Uh, no, you showed up on Tuesday while we were sorting. I just like to be in as an agent of chaos on Tuesdays. I show up at a random time and get in your way a little bit. I, w- I would be sad if you didn't. I love seeing you at some point. Fuck. How am I going to burn you down? You're an agent of chaos <laughs> for sure. I mean, you could come in and directly get in the shit and help. Which, you know, you don't. But I, w- I, like, nah. I wouldn't nah. want to ever have a Tuesday without having you around. He came in and read a couple pages from a couple things. And five years. You guys, you guys went downstairs. And I just picked up five years because I saw all these Terry Moore characters on the cover. And, uh... I read like the first six or seven pages and had like an, a very emotional reaction to it. I was surprised that you were reading it because I, I just never know. I had never known that actually Terry Moore stuff was at all close to your heart. It's not. I, I enjoyed uh, Motor Girl a bit. I enjoyed most of Rachel Rising, although I didn't finish it. And I feel like maybe I should so I don't have that thread just looping in my head. Um, I never finished it either. Yeah. But I, I, I don't like I respect Terry Moore and I think that the the stuff that he does is pretty solid. But I've never read a lot of it. And this one just opens with a description of uh Phi Bomb and is that right? Phi? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Phi, yeah. Kappa, yeah. Beta, yeah. Alta, beta. Alto. 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 Phi Altoids Beta. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Phi Bomb that over the course of what is it, like a, a few hours if you detonate it, it will eat up all the hydrogen in the world and then just it keep going in into space, space yeah. and not eat all the hydrogen in the air, but all the hydrogen. And, buddy, you're made out of hydrogen. He drew the shit out of your hydrogen being, yeah. like, some of the best dissolving bodies I've ever seen. Yeah, and it, it like, the whole world dying. I, I don't know what it was about my mood at that very moment, but this, this book got me real good. And uh, and then I read the rest of it, and holy shit, there's some good character work in mm-hmm. here. I 
I don't know who most of these people are other than just hearing Roman talk about them every Roman's once in a while. Roman's big but... Terry Moore guy, Roman. Tell us about your feelings on this. I yeah. know you're a huge Terry Moore hound. I, <clears throat> tear it up. I, uh, Terry it up? Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, those first five pages, that really got to me. And and for me, it um, it, it triggered, like when I was a kid, was that, that uh, the day after? was being shown on TV. That was the nuclear war scare movie that was shown over the period of a couple weeks. Was was Sunday. that guy was that guy you keep talking about in it? See? Lawrence Welk. <laughs> <laughs> Liberace? You see, we gotta look out for uh for a nuclear oh, winner. No, we see? don't need a diatribe about it. Let's just uh <laughs> as Django started it. Um but yeah it brought that that back because when we were watching as kids, all of us kids watching that TV show we're terrified of nuclear war after that because we're all like, you know, sixth grade. And we're like, is this going to happen? And yeah, this I was terrified of that as a kid growing up after just being alive. So, yeah. Really? <laughs> I remember laying awake at night and wondering what it would be like with if the uh, if a nuclear bomb went off above me. Like I was I just started crying in bed one night in a campground in Sarasota. And now wow. everybody forget that happens because for Django's character to work, you have to believe that he's never cried before. <laughs> I've never wept. <laughs> There's a difference, Jeffrey. He's never wept openly. Uh, uh, I think the art in this was astounding. Like, it, I, he's always been amazing, but the fact that he was able to get better blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. The art, the character, and and their expressions. It's all so well done. And and some of these moments, like when uh, uh, I think it's Francine, um, when, when she opens the door and you just get this blast of the the hydrogen incinerating everything that's terrifying um i love the bit where she like wakes up or something and she like is stressed out she puts her arm on francine's chest and it's her boob just on yeah. accident and francine's like not right now i'm sleeping <laughs> and then kachu gets up and then she's like well maybe just a quickie maybe and so <laughs> yeah um yeah i like the way of bringing all these characters together that you know francine kachu are have relocated to Hawaii and they've hired the woman from uh, Motor, Motor Girl. Girl to be the bodyguard of their kids for some reason. Because this is set like, I think, I didn't read Strange in Paradise 25. Right. Was it, I mean, what happened in that that now this is like a few years after that or is it immediately after that? Uh, it's immediately after it, but we found out that this bomb is going to go off in five years. Yeah, yeah. And so... It, Basically, he did that thing leading into this five-year gap where he's going to show all of his characters filling in this five years in the different ways that they want to. And what they're really doing. Yeah, because it was, it, was, it was Lilith and Rachel Rising that got the plans for this bomb and then sent them to all the, all the countries. Oh, i got to fucking read it! I have so much reading to do, but I think that it's just so amazing that this guy who writes, inks, draws, publishes this comic all himself is now linking up all of these different stories yeah. naturally, and he didn't necessarily intend to originally. And but it I, doesn't feel forced. It doesn't or feel no, forced. No. And I just love somebody's life's work being able to become this large thing that you like. He'll die yeah. at some point, but his work world will will stand forever. It's basically, Stephen King, bro. Yeah, but with more illustration. <laughs> yeah, and he gave hints that they were in the same because I think it was a character from Strangers in Paradise, which I've never read. Mm -hmm. That showed up in Echo. Okay. And I read all Echo and Rachel Rising and Motor Girl. And that character showed up there. So that's the first time we saw that, oh, these are all in the same universe. I give this book uh, an eight. I think you can jump in on it and not really know the world super well and really enjoy it. And the art is incredible. I give it a 10. 
Holy shit. Holy shit. <laughs> it, it, I kind of jumped in on it. Like, I've read little bits and pieces, and I... I've never read a single page of Strangers in Paradise, and I knew those characters as I yeah. as I was reading this, like I'd been reading it the whole time. And uh, just the the slow march to death that not many people know about is fucked. Do you, like, you think you're going to read good. the rest of this? And does it does it make you stressed at all to know that you're going to be reading the end of a thing that there's a sort of eighty percent you haven't read yet of, I, of all of his work? I, I also have. this was good enough that I thought it was a one shot. Okay, I'll definitely read more of it. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm going to read this, and I'm going to go back, and I'm going to read everything else, and I'm going to... If you guys want to do a Strangers in Paradise cast at some point, I'm on board. I'm in. Cool. I'll have to read it all. Okay. That's what I mean. I, we well, can snuggle we'll up on the couch. Oh, yeah. sweet. We could all sit on the couch together and read it. We won't be Strangers in Paradise. We, we're Shotgun. not ever going to be Strangers. <laughs> I'll call middle guy. Uh, what whatever's do you give left? Roman? You're the driver. Oh, <laughs> Roman, whatever's left, Statler. <laughs> I'll give you it. that? <laughs> I'm also going to give it a 10. Holy shit! I feel really dumb. Why do you hate Terry Moore so much? <laughs> okay, I'll, 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 I'm okay, just I'll trying give it, to I'll be give a, a critical guy. You know, I'll give it a nine. So Jeff won't feel bad. I've always said that uh, Terry Moore draws better snow than anybody else in the game, but now I feel like he draws better dissolving. People God, than yeah, the way the, game. the way his people, the hydrogen being unbound, it's it's it's, it's scarier than in Avengers. We're yes. going slow tonight, everybody. We're gonna have to do half yeah, that's half fine. shots for everything later on. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, if this podcast looks like it's gonna be too long for you, oh, I would recommend putting us on. On double speed in your podcast app because we can handle being accelerated but nobody wants to listen to a podcast that they weren't able to finish the first time also pro tip listen to us at half speed we sound like we're drunk instead of just being drunk and sounding sober we're not drunk you're not drunk deceased number one by tom taylor <laughs> and a couple artists uh trevor hairsign and stefano guadiano uh what about and james heron yeah uh <clears throat> i really like the dumb big fun of this book. I liked that it was so New 52, but it was also had rebirth elements. I loved the references to Kirby stuff. I'm waist deep in the plug for our inevitable Final Crisis crossover with Infinity content that we're working on, so I'm, I'm reading Final Crisis, and this dealt with Darkseid and the anti-life equation uh, and you know Desaad, so it was just right sort of where my head and heart were at the time. And it was inconsequential, which is what I think Tom Taylor's best work has been, sort of other world books and, you know, Marvel zombies in DC world. I dug it. I liked it okay. I have some uh, big complaints about art in here, and not specific artists or anything, but just the way the art was used and changed. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I didn't really like this that much or appreciate it until I until you and I talked about how it was definitely not in any universe and this isn't something we have to worry about ever really connecting to anything. It's definitely not in our universe. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like a, a mashup of a couple different DC universes and uh I like that I like that pretty well. You know, this would be a really good use of the Elseworlds logo <laughs> or Yeah. For any sure. any branding that well, says not New now, 52. They distinguish by just having movie references on the cover. That's like the fucking C cover, though. Uh, Roman, what did you think of it? I liked it as a dumb, goofy thing. I really like I, – actually, I <clears> love <throat> the idea of the anti-life equation leading to a horror setup. And That I, is cool. What I liked was the anti-life equation 
being incorrectly ported to a different source. Yeah. Mm. And that's just not a thing that I've seen. And I really yeah. liked that idea of we had to complete the anti-life equation by using some of Cyborg's code or no, by using the, the black racer death. Yeah. And they extracted some code from that, but they lost a little bit of that code in translation. So when they plugged that variable into this sort of metaphorical rep, uh, equation, it just, it didn't balance out right. And it caused this, which is basically a horrible zombie death virus it's like jurassic park and how they made velociraptors the wrong size yeah because they put the wrong like dna in it is, how is that in the lost world it. I, uh, well no they just in in the first jurassic park like it's the velociraptors are not the size that they would have been in in real life and that's it's because they were filling in the dna with other stuff okay I liked how totally yeah. gross it was. They all are like scratching their face and their nails are pulling their flesh off. And even Darkseid is breaking through the craggy skin. Yeah. And that really grossed me out. Roman, what'd you, what, 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 where'd you get off on the stop? Um, I, what does that question mean? Um, where'd you get off the train? The only part, well, the only part I didn't enjoy is uh, when the Justice League is sitting around and they do the, the now old, old hat thing of going, wait a minute. Batman has like tracking devices in us and stuff. And yeah. So I was like, "Come on, do we We've need all to do that? Yeah. Do we need to do that again? I don't. I, I know it's an alternate universe or whatever, but come on. Yeah, you guys are idiots if you don't yeah. think Batman did that. Yeah. No. Don't you guys know your teammate Batman well enough by now? But I love. But I love the final thing. That was horrible. I mean, spoilers. Batman's being attacked by, oh, by, by uh, Tim. Spoiler. T- like zombie, Dick Grayson and and Tim, and it's scary. He's getting attacked by him, and that's a big spoiler. I'll give it a uh, 7.5. 7. 6.5. Nice. Uh, Django, can you spend a little time in the pun pun land for me? Dude, this Punisher run has really impressed me. I did not like that first Matt Rosenberg Patriot Punisher, Punisher run. With, yeah, with the Iron Man thing. Maybe that's just because I don't care about Iron Man armor mm-hmm. like uh, like some people do. Like this whole storyline has Punisher. He's been in jail in Baglia and uh, – Baron Zemo has been just kind of messing with him, um, and he's running his own country, kind of like uh, Doctor Doom. But like all the Hydra agents have been kind of humanized, just in the way that they're like definitely working for this shitty boss, Baron Baron <laughs> Zemo. And man, I hate my boss and his dumb purple hood. Yeah, kind of. I love and, Baron Zemo. But but they're also sadists, so they're good at their jobs, and they're not going to let Frank out. But but like, they don't always listen to Baron Zemo. Like in this one, it's a chase scene after the Punisher's broken out of prison, and they're dragging his nun friend behind him on motorcycles and killing her. It's super violent. And there's a point where Baron Zemo is getting out of town, and and he tells his his henchmen, "Don't bring him to my building." And the dudes on the motorcycles leading the chase tell each other, no, fuck that. We're going to bring him to the building. And so they're like, they're just bringing Punisher against Zemo's orders to Zemo. And none of it goes well for them, obviously. But this, this just like, this comic feels like it has weight in the Marvel universe. Uh, Like shit that happens here, it would be a crime if they don't have this, echo through the rest of the universe I'm a, I'm a couple issues behind but I have been up on it uh, I love the, the 
Greg Smallwood art on the covers on the is covers. amazing. And the interiors have been amazing too. That so Simon Kadronsky, who had I first noticed in Spawn a while back. Okay. Um, so you liked him before it was cool. I don't that. I didn't mean to say that, but it did come across that way. But he's a guy, <laughs> what I remember is Aaron Matson coming in and complaining about it because he does, uh, he'll repeat an image in a background and change dialogue, but he'll, he'll okay. repeat things. Um, but he's also done some other stuff lately. I, I like it a lot in here. Um, but what I wanted to say was War on the Streets. I'm still hung up on the whole liking it before it was cool thing because that's my biggest fear of how I come across. <laughs> so, um, so yes, shit, you're good. <laughs> but uh, so you're digging the art, which I also like, um, and have for a while. I'm not saying that. <laughs> um, the punishment, War on the Streets, Part One, is the next issue. Is there? Uh, does it seem like there's a next big thing coming? Is what I want to know. Like, does it logically go into a thing that? Oh, sorry, what I wanted to say, but I was still thrown off by the, the thing about me being a hipster, was Baron Zemo was in a movie, right? He was in Civil War? Ish. Or not Civil War, but um, the second Captain America? Yeah. Did he have a... I would love a purple hood. I wish we had a purple hood. But no, they just had... He was like a... He was, wasn't he a guy who looked a little bit like a melting candle? Just kind of a schlubby dude, right? I, I don't remember. Was he in it? He was in a in was, a movie, but they haven't given him a purple hood, and to me, you need that purple hood. Yeah, he yeah. wasn't he wasn't like a mustache twirling, purple hooded bad guy. What about a purple hood where your mustache can stick out of it? So, like, are you talking about that new uh, Sonic movie? Well, I wasn't. Doctor Robotnik's now I am. mustache. Doctor Robotnik, played by Jim Carrey. That's just a love letter to the '90s, isn't it? I gotta look up Simon Kadronsky and see what else he has done. You just want to prove that Dan- he, he was doing stuff before Spawn. <laughs> <laughs> he did that Penguin Pride and Prejudice arc. Oh, it was wow. very, very good. That, good. that you also good. read. He did. I was into him before you were. Then he also <laughs> did. I don't know what the right answer is. Um, Black Eyed Kids from. Dan Reed. Oh. I I only read that for the art from Aftershock, right? So like he's yeah, a guy he's that's good. been around that we've liked. Yeah, not just me liking him before he was around, but he's a person whose art uh is very unique and stands out from the first time that you see it so you remember it whether you're trying to be hip or not. Do my teeth look dirty? <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the issue that he did that was like had a bunch of teeth in it and like barbed wire? It was nearly earlier into the run. Oh yeah. He, he's just so fucked up and good. Anyway, sorry. I've I've made this whole thing be longer than it should. What do you give it? I give this uh I'd give this issue probably an eight and a half. I would give this series so far probably a nine and a half. This is a really good Punisher. I haven't been excited about Punisher I mean like this since Garth Ennis was doing and it. And to be willing to say that after other people have noticed it. Uh-huh. Is a very hip is very overcoming yeah. the hip, so I'm proud of you for that. Yeah, no, I, I know I know I'm a little bit late to the game. I've been sleeping on it. Um, but uh, yeah thumbs up <laughs> this is very inside baseball right now Roman do you have a score for it <laughs> I'll give it an 8 thank you Roman will you handle this discussion Green Lantern number 7 by Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp oh my god I wish Justin was here for this one this is such a Justin comic um, I don't I don't know about all that I read it I liked it I like things that Justin likes yeah you do See, I think of you more science fiction, and this and Justin's more weird I'm so over weird science fantasy. fiction is this stuff <laughs> but, uh, but go on Okay, so we're inside Hal's ring, where he's been, where he's been 
shunted into, and there's this wizard Meridian um, who who warns him of things. This is so Mirwadin. Mirwadin. It's Welsh. I don't know. Um, I don't know what to talk about first. The art is amazing because I, I noticed like a second, third page, I started realizing, oh, all of the panels are pieces of the Green Lantern, the actual Lantern symbol. And what is so <laughs> cool about that is that we are in Emerald Sands, which is a land inside of yeah. the ring. Yeah. So to use all of the paneling as... Yeah, the whole the shape of the ring is a really cool idea. Yeah, the whole comic is I, inside the ring. I wonder <laughs> if that was a Morrison or if that was a Liam Sharp thing. Yeah, I wonder too. That, that that's a good question. Because the Superman, the Batman, Wonder Woman, Brave and the Bold had really interesting paneling as well that I yeah. feel like was similar to that. So it might be a Liam Sharp thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm really impressed with Liam Sharp. Um, this was a fun. It's it's uh, it's. I love the fact Morrison using green, you know, using DC's space cop, totally science fiction, and then this issue is a fairy tale. I didn't read this issue, but I just flipped through the whole thing, and it's gorgeous. It's that's gorgeous. some of the nicest coloring I think I've seen. It's gorgeous, and it's, Liam Sharp colored it. Yeah, it's gorgeous. The and you cow. notice the paneling. Yeah, the paneling it's all ring sentiments. Yeah, yeah. The, the creatures they fight are these weird, like, humanoid shark guys, except at first you think their their heads look like noses, upturned <laughs> noses, but they're That's sharks. Exactly what Jango I is a big shark guy. <laughs> I know, I, I know. I um, <laughs> and, and, and Hal inside meets this woman who's kind of like him, who he, he figures out is actually the ring itself. Yeah, persona, like the, yeah, the physical embodiment. Yeah, so it ends up ending with this kind of romantic scenes with Hal and the, how he relies on the ring and the relationship. I really it's like really that. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Is that why he kisses it at the end? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just this idea of like, I hope this doesn't sound bad, but like, it's almost like loving your cat or something to me. It's like this, it's a, it's or the way you love your phone. Eh, that's not as respectful, but you know, it's this thing that you use all the time that is integral to who you are, but yeah. you don't necessarily view it as a, having a personality but this story, it was, it was that was a very Morrison thing to me. Yeah, to sort of yeah, it really shows. Uh, just trying to show how this the ring isn't just a tool. Mm-hmm. How he uses, it. I mean, he he has a relationship with it, which even he maybe until this issue hadn't realized the mm-hmm. depths of. Um, it's so clever and so touching. I mean, in some ways this this was as touching to me as as five years. Mm-hmm. I like this issue a lot. I've been on a real Grant Morrison high with that Final Crisis podcast we're going to do, Plug, Plug, Hype, Hype. Uh, but I I thought there were things that worked really well in this issue. I think the art was amazing, and I liked the story of all of it. But I did not like the text. I didn't like the narrative of this. I didn't like that we had gone from Mirrodin, who rhymes and who rhymes sometimes in this, to this large poetic narrative that doesn't rhyme, and I had to figure out whether it was rhyming or not. And it would bounce between a largely narrative, but then sometimes do tech stuff, and it it felt inconsistent with in terms of whether or not I should be relying on the text or the narrative. And I thought that the narrative, there was too many words on. There was a Superman issue, like, a couple months ago, Roman, that you and I did a podcast on, and Bendis had did a single page 
with a single mm-hmm. image and then had a ton of text on it and you were like that's too much text for me like i just I, yeah. I just wanted to lose interest in it and this didn't get quite there for me but it got almost there i kept i wished that more of this story had been told through text than through narration. So while I liked it very, very much, uh, I actually read half of it after you texted us about it, and I was like, oof, I don't want to do this right now. And I finished it this morning. Mm, so yeah. I think that it was great. I think it was that what he did was very, very good, but I don't think in a very Morrison way, uh, you know, 30% of it I had reservations about and 70% I loved. So uh, we're, we're I the same. We're just flopped on our Morrison. <laughs> so I would give it uh, a seven. I think that it was really great and the heart was so there, but the actual story execution, I had a little hang up on. Hmm. Uh, for me, yeah, for me, I was it was a perfect balance for me because I was worried that it was going to be all the text like that outside of word balloons, which I wouldn't have minded except for me, it was really hard to read. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Like white text on a yeah yeah to take out my glasses and get the stroke right and, we, right and next that was the face. thing it was, it was difficult because I was a little stoned and it was late at night when I started reading it and I was just like this is this is too much work. yeah I just need to update my glasses oh, but yeah stone you so, win <laughs> read Green Lantern what it's a Bob that? Dylan reference oh, bro okay. <laughs> um, so for me it worked the balance worked out really well. Um, I'm going to give this one a 10. Nice. I, I, I smell it coming. Get that gooey duck off the table, Roman. I it, got shit I got to do. It, it's it's my second, well, one of my favorite of two issues of this run of Green Lantern so far. Uh, someone take me somewhere else. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, why don't we go to the Savage Lands, Jeffrey? The opposite of the Inside the Ring. Yeah. I mean, I keep trying to make a Bob Dylan thing, but I can't pull any lyrics You just kind of go like this. the Rolling Stone. <laughs> now it's time for some savage To be adventure. on your own. <laughs> I'm going to tag him in this, and you guys are going to be embarrassed. <coughs> Bob Dylan doesn't know how to use the internet. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, Savage Avengers is uh, by by Jerry Dugan, Mike Diodato, and... Something Martin. I don't know where the credits page is in this comic. Um, this kind of follows Conan into the Savage Land, which, you know, not a huge stretch. It's nice for him to be able to ease into our world instead of having to be thrown into, like, cars and cities and motorcycles so and shit. So there was a road home. There was a road home here for Conan, who gets to fight ninjas, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't, Like, I think we've talked about this before. I don't, I'm not really a Conan guy. Mm-hmm. But, uh, dang, I'm reading a lot of Conan lately. <laughs> Everybody is. Even, like, a lot of kind of Conan people are now reading a lot of Conan thanks to Marvel. Yeah, and this was another good one. Like, all, all the Conan stuff I've read so far has been good. I haven't read it all, but I've dug it. Yeah, and isn't, is it Jerry or Gary? No one knows. Okay, no one Dugan, isn't he writing one of the Conan books anyway? Savage. Like Savage Sword? Yeah. Okay. Jerry Dugan. Gary Dugan. I think it's Jerry. Whatever Django said made me totally sold when he did the credits. Okay. Yeah. I think I said the other one, the one that I didn't say just now. You did the right one all of the times. Yeah. Harry. Django Boren. <laughs> Jeff endorsed. Harry Dugan. <laughs> the, the G is an H. Uh, it, this, is, this is a lot of fun because Wolverine and Conan get to team up in order to uh, save somebody. And, you know... And and their initial meeting and their fight is an awesome fight. They're both very in character. They're both doing some clever, nasty stuff. 
Yeah, and yeah, they're they're both just total badasses. Yeah, and it flows. Yeah, <laughs> and and when they finally make friends, was it uh, Conan says that he is uh, Conan of Samaria, bub, and Wolverine says I am Logan of Pabst, which I thought was cute. First appearance. Hashtag first appearance. Um, yeah, and the and the art is is cool. I think that uh, I think they're pushing Mike Diodato a little bit hard. It doesn't seem like he put as much time into this, but he's good enough that his art didn't suffer from that. It just changed a little bit, and I think that's a that's a testament to that guy's skills. I really liked uh, what I heard. I think some customers telling me about how like. They need to make a blood sacrifice to something, so they're gathering the blood of all of these heroes. Yeah, and I was like, "That's a cool idea." Yeah. yeah, yeah, and not only heroes, but you know, uh, very smart people, artists, and that kind of thing. But then they finally like, you know, we need to get more heroes in here. Mm. Um, they're sacrificing to Jotan Lao, the Marrow God, oh, God <laughs> of the Marrow. Yeah, which when this one, I guess that that's the God that rises. And I was wondering, is that is it related to the? The symbiote god? Well, it looks could... kind of K- Kirby-esque to me, but... Well, he's wearing the Batman Who Laughs crown. Yeah, he is. Oh, it's, yeah. He's related to all of them. Oh, and I th- remember... Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, and, and, and then at the end, the way they're going to bring the Punisher into it is really good. Yeah, that that was... that. Was, so... How are they going to bring him in? I want to know. It's a spoiler. Yeah, I, didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't oh, going to spoil man. that one, but okay. but it's I, it's really good, and it, and it's definitely going to get the it, none of it feels forced or awkward. This is oh wow, that really makes sense. Yeah, Punisher is definitely on his way. Yeah, and the the <laughs> last line is the the bad guy talking, and the last line in this is prepare to exsanguinate the Punisher. Oh God, it's um, so what's exsanguinate good. mean? Uh, bleed dry. Okay. And then I'm going to clap so that no one can hear them spoil what I want to know about how they get the Punisher involved. That's real juicy. Yeah. That's juicy. Yeah, I hope like you use Punisher? a good sound effect there. Um, I won't. What do you give this? I would give this a seven and a half, maybe even an eight. Like the, the art and the Logan of Paps joke and the exanguinate hmm. the Punisher. That could bump it up to an eight for me. Um, I'll give it a nine. Wow. Yeah, I, I had so much fun with this. I mean... Little, just wow. the little bits like Conan picks up a rock and hurls it, hurls at Wolverine, and Wolverine reacts. He's cripes and he sticks, blocks it with his claws, and then hits Conan in the face with his the rock on the end of his claws. Yeah, yeah. just lots of little clever bits. I wouldn't want to be Wolverine in that fight. I wouldn't want to be Conan <laughs> in that fight. But I'd kind of want to be both of them in that fight. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is awesome. Um, and now you two, can you give me a little showcase on Gagor? Roman. Uh, I think we should talk about Gagor. <laughs> okay. Um, I feel like I've been holding court over here. No, I've, I'm always talking too much. Mm, are my teeth dirty? Gagor. That's what he says in the the, the writer says in the back. Gagor. Um, this was a lot of fun. I like this comic. It was. A, I don't. I guess it's an all ages book. It, yeah. At like halfway through it, I thought, I think this is an all ages comic. Yeah, I wasn't I mean, sure. The art. Sure at first. He it's all right. Leadingly. It's all right. It's fun. It's I all mean, ages. Yeah, it's all ages. It's it's not super detailed, but it definitely there's creates this world. Um, this guy's being pursued, and he's on a giant shrew, a giant flying shrew. Um, and you find out there are this land. There's all land masses of islands floating in the sky. In a big I, ring. Islands in the stream. I don't know what oh. you're saying. That is what we are. Thank you. <laughs> and there's this beautiful two-page spread here that shows the entire world, whatever you call it, this realm, and it's all floating 
islands in a big circle with the sun kind of happens to be in the middle. And it's, it's really pretty. It's really nice. The sun's only in the middle because that's where well, yeah, you're standing when you're looking at yeah, the picture. If you're standing anywhere else, it would be off center yeah, or even behind it. So where are we standing? I don't know. <laughs> um, but it's Ooh. fun. You know, I'm curious. I'm curious to keep on reading this. It's a in raising place. What he, is it about? He ex- well, he escapes. This guy escapes these people pursuing him. You don't know why they're pursuing him, and he meets this weird little beaked blue guy, and they start talking, and he has this scroll that uh, he was handed, and you find out from the scroll what's going on. He's got to keep protect this scroll, get it somewhere, um, meet some hippie types, and get some supplies. He's just got to get this scroll to safety. And and he uh, like at the end he ends up planting this bean, and uh, we we find out that Gagor is. Grows from that bean. Yeah. He's some kind of Hulk, Solomon, Grundy, Swamp Thing critter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super cool. What do you give it? Uh, I'll give I'll give it a 7. 7.5. 7. Wow. I would give... It was fun. Django gives it a 6. I love that, I love that guy. Django, who uh, is a kid, would probably give it an 8. Wow. Like, I, I think it's a really solid, fun adventure, and the, the cast of characters that they introduce in here are really, really fun and goofy. I dig it. Yeah. Yeah, I wish that I'd order more. Sorry, everybody. Um, I just want to talk really quickly about Marvel Team-Up number two featuring Spider-Man and Ms. Marvel by Eve L. Ewing and art by Joey Vasquez. Uh, it's this. We talked about the first issue. It's just a follow-up to that. Uh, it's a Freaky Friday setup where Ms. Marvel and Peter Parker have switched bodies, and I think that it is super well-written. I think that the Freaky Friday pitch is hard to sell anymore because uh, it's been done so much, but I think that this does all of my favorite stuff and none of the stuff that I'm bored with. I think the art was super charming, and I love Eve Ewing's characterization of Ms. Marvel. And I said this last time, I haven't read much of G. Willow Wilson's Ms. Marvel, but I think that this character, I think, is so charming. and I'm smitten with her, and I think her uh, play uh, interplay with Peter Parker is adorable like they just are so similar it's fun to keep trying to remember who's in whose bodies with who minds because they keep switching back but uh, it's it's just adorable and it's charming and i at what at one point peter is in ms marvel at kamala's body and he has to give a speech and just all of a sudden he gets doubled over in pain and falls over because you know she's got pms cramps and like i i loved that uh, I loved just like Kamala trying to shave as Peter and he has to do a job interview and he's just like scarred up. Uh, they're, they're hilarious. Boys and girls, guys. <laughs> yeah. And I, and in the good way though, you know, yeah. it made me remember like, yeah, what I would love to do if, you know, I, I've always wanted a Freaky Friday out and there's a list of things that I would like to do and there's a perverted list of things I would like to do. And this plays into all of that in a wonderful way. <laughs> I really liked the scene of them in costumes eating hot dogs together at the end uh, in suns at sunset and trying to use their powers and Kamala doesn't understand the spider sense and Peter can't fucking make himself embiggen <laughs> and it's just it's adorable uh, in a really great way. It made me love Peter and I, I just got a little crush on Peter and I've got a little crush on Kamala and it's just. It's not reinventing the wheel of either of these characters, but it's really quaint. I, I really liked it. it. I would give it an 8.5. I really enjoyed the read. It, it, it was really quaint. It was, it was charming. Um, I really did enjoy that, too, with 
them not being able to figure out how to make each other's bodies work mm-hmm. uh, and their powers. I like the that new element of switching back unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Um, that added a nice new twist. So they to have it to all. prepare for that. Yeah, and yeah. they took out the flipbook aspect in this issue. I, and right? I, like, I'm glad that yeah. they took that. Yeah, out. Yeah, that seemed yeah. a little bit gimmicky. Yeah, I turned it off. He was saying, I swear you don't know I how to turn, turn that thing, thing off. He was saying, like, it's crazy to try and find it. We keep being plagued by this Star Trek figure we bought today that's making weird sound. <laughs> he just wants to, you know, get in and, on some of these reviews, comic book reviews. I can give this one a good solid seven. It's a great cover, too. And, and uh, yeah, e-, e viewing, she, this uh, Kamala is very much in keeping with Willow Wilson's. Does it feel, every time yeah. Django comes out of that room, he's a different dumb fucking alien mask <laughs> it's on. It's not dumb, it's Jeff. It's unnerving. This is a bad version of you in eighth grade. Third grade, and it was Eight the years other old. one. <laughs> um, Roman, give me a, give me a quick on that. Planet of the Nerds. Um, God, this is another great, fun book. Uh, the setup is that it starts in 1988, and there's these three jocks beating up this nerd kid. Um, and it's straight out of an 80s movie. One of the jocks, he's the kind of the nice jock. They pursue the nerd kid to his his secret lair. He's building something in the basement of this abandoned house. They beat up the poor kid. Of course, he's he's been building a cryogenic chamber. Um, the jerkiest jock destroys the chamber, sets it all off. They get frozen. The nerd kid escapes, though. And then they wake up in 2019 and crawl out of there, and they go downtown to their old haunts to, to see what's Chipotle. going on. Yeah, and they're stunned because there's a comic book convention gone, going on. There's all these people in costumes, and, and there's Ahoy Comics are represented there. Um, and, and their reaction is, is just, look at all these fucking nerds <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> I love that idea. I do too. These these guys have they burned me on the last one. I didn't love Bronze Age Boogie, but like <laughs> actually every one of their plots has been fifteen degrees tilted on yeah. what I thought it was, and it's tilted in the the clever yeah. way. Yeah, just that idea that instead of apes or zombies, it, they're surrounded by nerds. And I think the art I, this has that uh, Ed Piscor X Men Grand Design look where. It looks date like '70s art, and I I really like that as well. Yeah. From from here, I haven't flipped through it real close yet, but from here, it looked like uh, who who did the art in Lock and Key? Joe Hill? No, sorry. <laughs> something Rodriguez. Gabriel yeah, Rodriguez. Gabriel R- Rodriguez. It it's got a little bit of that look to it, but but maybe a little more simple. I don't know if you know about me. my favorite writer, Joe Hill, Django, but uh, Jeff, that is Joe one Hill. of my. That's, he's the writer of my pick this month. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Uh, did they use halftone dots correctly in Marvel Two and One Marvel, Marvel Team Up? Yes. Okay. Next question. But yes, we'll come back did. to it a different time. They did. We've got a. Sorry, give me a. Score. I'll get Planet of the Apes, Planet of the Nerds. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, you sound like Brayden, who loves a Planet of the Ape. I'll give it a, an, an eight point five. Eight point five. Shout wow. out Brayden Smith. Love that guy. Um, and I think that we've got a voicemail here that came in last week that we didn't have the access to the voicemail thing. And that happens sometimes. We've gotten a handful of voicemails we just haven't been able to hey, access. Perfectly simple oh. podcast. This is Trevor from Infinity Content. Longtime listener, first time caller. The boys down here in the bunker want to hear your thoughts on the recent Naomi character that's been released. Curious to hear what you and the rest of the gang think of first appearance characters like Naomi and their pricing and staying power. We just had the DC New Age of Heroes, one of the last ones finally peter out on their runs. 
and they didn't seem to last too long when they had an event that they were based off of. And we also had Scott Snyder's Duke Thomas, The Signal. He also was introduced all the way through New 52 and finally was brought in as a hero in DC Rebirth. Yet both him and the New Age of Heroes haven't seemed to stick around as well as a character like Naomi. So we're wondering to hear what your thoughts were, if it was something that had to do with the writers or if it was just perfect timing that made these characters not last and characters like Naomi be such a big success after only four issues. Love to hear your thoughts. Bye. Dude, I love Trevor. Did he say his name? Does everyone he know said. that that's Trevor who <laughs> has worked at the store and is on Infinity content? Because I love him. He's a badass. He's so awesome. I, so his question is... Just sort of if, thoughts it, on like, new characters being introduced into new con, like old standing continuity. And why do some succeed and some fail? Yeah. Like, and, and I think he's right. There is a kind of a pattern where if you're reading an event and they try to spin characters out of that event... It's pretty rare that they're successful. Mm -hmm. Sometimes yeah. they are, but it's pretty rare. Um, Bloodlines comes to mind, where they introduced a new character in every single annual for DC that year. It was like 22 annuals or something like that. And uh, the conceit was that these aliens would try to kill everybody. If they didn't kill you, you had a very small chance that you would develop superpowers. And so in 20-some annuals, people developed superpowers. The only one that stuck around, and I think it was just because Garth Ennis was swinging his Garth Ennis dick yeah. around because he was writing Preacher at the time, was the character from the demon, Hitman, who went on to have a series where he never used his powers after, like, issue four. Did Hitman have powers? Yeah, he could see through walls and kind of either read minds or... or direct people's actions uh but it gave him a headache and a nosebleed is what they discovered after his first yeah. appearance so and so he's that. like oh this sucks i'm just gonna use my guns and my smarts though though he did use his x-ray vision to scope out wonder woman when they invited him to the justice league <laughs> satellite <laughs> that's right because <laughs> all of a sudden right. batman or somebody's like hey his nosebleed hey <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like a lot of times if if an event is created in order to force new characters out there. I think readers can kind of tell that it's a cheat and it's not super organic. And so yeah. unless you get really lucky, you end up with, you know, characters that don't just really stick around. Sometimes they come back, but they don't stick around a whole lot. Yeah, like some of those bloodlines, One of at least one of them was just killed in Heroes in Crisis. And you're the only one who knows that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, the same thing happened with Age of Heroes. Like Silencer, all those characters. Is there a breakout one of that group? Yes. Yeah, Damage. So, so for me, <laughs> I think I'm, I agree with what you guys are saying. I'm coming at it from a slightly different perspective, which is, first of all, Trevor, awesome question. And yeah, I love Naomi. I think that that book is great. I think the character is great. And I want to read her in other things. I really mm -hmm. like her. Um, I, so... I think I'm just, I agree with exactly what you guys are saying, which is that for me, there's a real clear distinction to me for when a character is being introduced for an editorial reason because we want a new character or because a creator believes in a character that they want to write. Yeah. So for Naomi, that's coming from, it's a character about, uh, She's adopted. Um, she's from a different ethnicity from her parents, which is Bendis has adopted a child, uh, you know, multiple ethnicities. Et, sorry, a ethnicities. different race even yeah, in yeah. this case. Um, yeah, from a different planet. Um, and it feels like it's coming from this story that Bendis wants to tell. Uh, 
Miles Morales is another instance of that same thing happening. Bendis wanting to tell a story that was reflecting the world around him because he was living in Portland, which was just not not all straight, white, cis dudes, you know? Um, I think that new characters live when people believe in them. And I think that editorial from a company oftentimes will dictate we need new characters. I think the DC Age of Heroes... I hate to be cynical, but from the get-go, I was like, none of these are going to live. Yeah. And it was because the the publisher was saying, we want to give artists the chance to write characters and be in charge of characters, so they're doing it. It worked so well for Youngblood. And, and it worked so well for Image. It was basically a grab yeah. at 90s Image. And just very transparently, it was not based in believing in the character. It was believing in an event it was based in believing in a movement and like to be fair they could have found a hit yeah right like any of those characters could have taken off and kicked ass like i think i think that silencer for me had the most potential to be like a female punisher kick-ass mm-hmm. kind of character who could stick around in the dc universe something the magic wasn't quite there so she got canceled just like damage just like you know, all the other characters that sprung out of that. And the signal wasn't actually out of metal. The signal got his powers in metal. Right. But it was before. But that. he was he mm-hmm. was an older character and I really liked him before he became the signal in that in that miniseries after met after metal. I I thought he was really cool before that. To me you can just sort of feel something in the art, whether it's music or movies or comics, there's something you can feel when someone is trying to get an ulterior motive across or when something feels genuine and you know that uh, like Grant Morris, I really like this green lantern book, but it it came across from Dan Didio going to Grant saying, Hey, I want you to write green lantern. He was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then within a couple days he was like, well, I've got all these, all these ideas. I'll do it. Um, that is a slightly different thing than living in your house and going on walks around the pond and coming up with an idea that you believe in and want to put in the world. It's it's the idea of like trying to fit a peg into a hole or something, or there's this thing that you come up with. Um, it's like creation versus a job. Sort yeah, of. exactly. And or your, like, your job can be creation. You can come up with good stuff, but I, I think you don't have as as much of a sure thing. You know, it's like Donny Cates' first couple books before he was quote-unquote Donny Cates. I don't know how you can put words to it, but it's some. there's something in an artist when they have something to prove. And then once they've achieved it, they're trying to maintain or, or prove that they still have it. And it's a, it's a change in direction. Grant Morrison, one of my favorite writers in the entire world, that's evident in his work to me. There's that, I was thinking about as I was driving to work today, um... You know, there's the Grant Morrison who was writing these books because he needed to put this. I guess I was thinking about it in terms of people who are willing to expand the period of their life where they're trying to achieve something. Because the phase of trying to achieve something is immediately followed by the the phase of accomplishment and homeostasis. Uh, you've done this thing. I've I've achieved the thing. So many great things happen from a, a place of longing. Nirvana's Nevermind. Hmm. Um, and then they achieved that. And then it was in utero, which is, I'm tired of that. I want to do this other thing. Or I hate the fan base I've acquired. Uh, Art, yeah, you don't, you, you get 
uh, generally a lesser album when an artist is fat and happy. George R. R. Martin with Game of Thrones. He wrote these amazing <laughs> books, but then it got picked up by a television show and everyone loved it. And it's taken forever for these new books to come out. Um, I, th- I think it's evident in so many types of art. Um, when you're hungry, you do a thing. And then once you've been fed, you do a different thing. And that's not to be punished. But I think that new characters are very often fall into that same sort of very vague paradigm that I'm trying to convey. And I think, so his his question was about Naomi. And if we can get a little bit uh, outside of just the phone call mm-hmm. uh, for a second, we were talking about it while we were moving the Batcave to the OMAC satellite up here where we're, where we're recording right now. Mm-hmm. And he was, Trevor was talking about how um, he's kind of been branching out a little bit and not just like he's, he's not working here now. So he doesn't have the same outlet to talk about comics with people. So he's been talking about stuff with people online. And I think he's kind of being introduced to the world of kind of speculators and, and things like that through, through some of these discussions that he's having. And I think that a character like Naomi we don't even really know that she's got any staying power. No. We don't even know what her power set is if she has one. Mm -hmm. All that we know is that it's a hugely popular sold-out book. And honestly, the reason it's sold out is not on its own merits. It's mostly because it's got a low print run and it's being bought and flipped by eBay guys. So that's a a really, you're right, that's an interesting component of staying power, which with with comic books, it's, it's a different thing and so many other things. Um, she has staying power now, I'd say because of that speculator market, which you just brought up. But mm-hmm. from the first issue, we've been pretty on board with it. Uh, Jang, you've yeah. got some complaints which are not with the character, but with sort of the plotting of the uh, character. I'm still reading it, and I'm not reading it because it sells for a lot of money on right. eBay. I'm reading no. it because it's compelling. We've been reading all of it, and, and I think that that is because... It, it feels like a character that is believed in from the creator. Mm-hmm. And it, there's a sense of that hunger, which um, Bendis achieved what he wanted, you know, the, in the Proving Grounds years ago. So the fact that he's able to sort of keep that hunger amazes me. Roman, what do you think with any of that stuff? Um, well, everything you two said, because, I mean, yeah, it's true. All right, good, done. <laughs> no, Roman's got it's, beautiful it's, thoughts. Because it's true of Naomi, we really don't know, but you, you can tell that the creator actually cares about the character. It's not just it's not just an editorial edict. Um, and I'll be curious to see, is Naomi a limited series or ongoing? I, we don't know. Uh, we'll be curious to see if it is ongoing, how uh, the popular, popularity and everything maintains or doesn't maintain just based on the merits of the book and, and once it stops being speculator bait. I hope that after six issues... They put it on pause. They put a trade paperback out, let people find it, and then start a new series that retailers can order mm. in a way that makes sense rather than, you know, mm-hmm. kind of defensively fighting against the eBay sales. Can I ask yeah. you guys a tangential question that's not strictly rooted in comic books? Mm-hmm. What, if any, is there an artist, comic books, books, television, movies, music? to you where there's an artist that seemed to demonstrate that hunger of achievement and did a big thing and then had staying power and did some things outside of that. So while you guys Tom think Waits? about that, I was, I honestly Sorry, was thinking about I didn't, Tom I didn't Waits. Mean to step on no, you. no, I was, I was with you on that. I was thinking Tom Waits, but I don't know his work. But for me, Tool is a band that I love 
and their music is so different now than it was 20 years ago and it was angrier then but it has positively evolved and so it, it didn't accomplish this thing and then crumble in fact it, it, it accomplished this thing it got fans it got famous they no longer needed to make music to have a living they could quit right now and they'd be fine but they've stayed a band and they've kept making albums and they've got one coming out in a couple months it's been 13 years since their last one and i have a great faith in it um i think that they have made bridged that gap really well i'm curious we were talking about it at this science fiction convention i was at a couple of weeks ago like bands should stop after 15 years you know fuck that uh, yeah mm, i yeah. agree but a lot of them put out shitty work some bands should yeah. stop after one record right so i'm curious <laughs> books music movies television anything what is for you an artist that has bridged that gap and sort of gone gotten better through time uh, i would say for movies fast and the furious uh, and I don't know that that's like organic, beautiful art, but they dialed something in. <laughs> they did find like, a thing. They, well, I think what it was is they stopped making movies and started having fun. Yeah, like I totally they were like, agree. fuck it. We're going to change the whole thing. We're going to get some of the biggest stars. We're just going to hang out and drink Corona and uh, and Family I totally and agree. Rob Banks. <laughs> Lee Familia. Um, I think that uh, for music for me it would be Tom Waits. I think that Johnny Cash. Um, I don't know that his middle stuff really was groundbreaking, but I think he was like solid the whole way through. I think he was a musician who had to be a musician. Um, and I think that, uh, for TV, I would say fringe. Mm. Um, but I would also say that like fringe and Johnny Cash have something in common where like some of their best stuff was when they thought they were going to die. So, like, Johnny Cash recorded those four American albums. And that Nine Inch Nails cover. Yeah, the Nine Inch Nails cover, like, all, all these great covers with uh, Rick Rubin mm -hmm. as the producer. Um, and he did that when he knew he was going to die. Like, he, he, he had a ticking clock for that whole span of, of albums. And he was recording stuff right up until he couldn't, I think. And you can, you can hear him kind of... His his the quality of his voice and everything degrade throughout the well. That's a really albums. interesting point because unfortunately, I would say death is almost the reintroduce reintroduction of that hunger. Yeah, to a creator. And, and mm -hmm. from the point of view of a TV show, Fringe was getting canceled at the end of every season, and they they stuck the landing every time. And then somehow, after they were sure they were done, they got picked up again. But I think that after an a season or two, they didn't trust it anymore. So they treated every one of the – it was like four or four and a half full seasons. It feels like a complete story, and it feels like they like after the second season, they reinvent it at the beginning of every season. And it's just – it's it's one of the most inventive and kind of – living on the edge because we're pretty sure this is the end again mm. kind of thing. And I, I think for for the media that I consume, I, I, I can't really speak to novels because they take too goddamn long to read. <laughs> Roman, what do, you, what, do you have any like things that you bridge that gap really well? Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure if I'm quite the right example, but I mean, there's so many of them. Uh, Bob Dylan. You know how he? I mean, he had a the period there. I'm not sure if it was his gospel stuff or his country, oh yeah his country stuff, where it was like, what the hell are you doing, Bob? But I mean, he's came came back as such a creative force, and he's always been 
creative force. He's a guy that can't not do that. Even yeah. when it's not what you want to hear, it's what he's doing. And he yeah. is like, he's doing it 100%. Yeah. Even if the hundred percent is, I'm only going to do it fifty percent. He's doing, he's doing <laughs> what he wants a hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's really yeah. interesting how I think incredibly common that is nowadays, with especially with the music. And I think that it speaks to that the joke from the beginning of the context, the podcast of the Simon Kadronsky. You liked him before he was popular. <laughs> I think that 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 even hip. The hipster, I liked it way before. Identity comes from this idea that there are so many people who burned really fast to achieve a thing, and then once they achieved it, without that desire or that need to do a thing, they were no longer actually able to do the thing, um, which yeah. I think is fascinating. I think about all the time. Well, I think it's the difference it, between making art and just making another record. Yeah, or just you like know, yeah, whether yeah. your art is your life or whether your art is your job. Yeah, and the same thing with... Uh, um, David Bowie and actually the David Bowie analog in Gunny for Hits. Yeah, you know, I mean, for Bowie, sure. Bowie reached that state. I mean, he put out some crappy albums, not very many, but you know, where he had to kind of reinvent himself and come back. Alice Cooper did it. I mean, Alice Cooper, in I mean, he had kind of some disco-y almost albums in the seventies that are just awful. But yeah. you know, he came back from those. <laughs> so, Trevor, I hope that that related to your question enough but uh oh man we have can i can i say one more thing about the question but i do think that it's yeah yeah i do think that it's in that pocket of just sort of like when an artist believes in a thing or when an artist is doing a thing because of an ulterior motive and i think that yeah. new characters are that a lot of the time what was what was the first issue it was, it was amazing adventures was the first uh, issue in the series that then became Amazing Adult Fantasy and eventually became Amazing Fantasy, which was Spider-Man. Okay. And then it became Amazing Spider-Man. So, like, Amazing Adventures was Stanley and Steve Ditko just kind of making Monster monster of the Month kind of mm-hmm. things. And then they switched it over to Amazing Adult Fantasy, and I don't know why. I think they're just trying to expand Capitalize the on readership. Things. Like, yeah. let's, let's the make something adult scarier yeah. just for so, kids. Yeah, so right. Like, yeah. right, so Amazing Adventures to Amazing Adult Fantasy. And then with number 15, uh, they stopped the monsters. They did Spider-Man. His first appearance is Amazing Fantasy 15. And then the very next issue of that series reboots to Amazing Spider-Man. And, like, those guys did 14 new characters that nobody remembers before they hit on Amazing Spider-Man. And that that one was kind of, I, I feel like that's probably when they went from kind of guns for hire to, oh, here's a character that we love and we're going we're gonna to keep going with this. And I, I know that the, the industry was a little bit different at the time, but like at some point, even when editorial is just throwing as much shit at the wall to see what they think can stick... They're going to land on something. The numbers mm-hmm. say they're going to land on something. And that's when you get a hitman or that's when you get, you know, whatever one-off character actually has some amount of staying power from the metal. Yeah. The Batman who laughs. The Batman who laughs spun and out well, of that. And that's the mm-hmm. thing. And is, he's kicking ass. That's because that character came up in a story that the writer believed in. He didn't come up with it because editorial told him right. to. Right. And Age of Heroes from a mile away, a month and a half before they came out, like I think we were all just like none of this is going to be alive in 2 years. I was I was practicing my slide trombone. Yeah. Wah, wah. Wah. So 
Yeah, I think that all of it comes into sort of uh, what what you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it. Uh, Trevor, thank you so much for that question. Uh, you should do a podcast or something. I can't. You should really get on our podcast really soon because I, I think that your brain is real good. And I, I miss having you in the store, buddy. Um, this is episode 129. I'm Take Jeff. And I cannot wait to see all of you again soon. And I also am really grateful for Trevor for sending in a question because it, it brought on a conversation that I thought was really interesting. So if anybody ever has a question, we've gotten a couple of voicemails in the last couple of weeks. Super grateful for it. Thank you so much. Who are you, boys? I'm Django. I'm definitely not wearing that mask that Jeff wore when he was a kid. Third grade. In third grade. I remember the costume. I have pictures. <laughs> I'm Roman, and I'm definitely not wearing my Luke Skywalker costume from probably third or fourth grade. Um, so we're done. That's done. Mm-hmm.